Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Lawrence straight back. Lawrence looks. Lawrence hit. He fumbles the football, and I believe the Eagles have it. They do. They do. Hassan Lenick made the hit, and the Eagles have it. Hassan Lenick on top of the ball. Yes. Hassan Riddick, hometown. Well, that's one of the highlights from last week. Maryland Mike, uh, as the Eagles beat Jacksonville, and Hassan Riddick had just a great, great day. We are privileged to be joined by one of my favorite people. Uh, the great Seth Joyner is with us today. Seth, uh, th- first of all, I may have screwed up the day, so thanks for coming on. It's all good, man. Okay. Uh, second of all, uh, Jody Mack and I have so much to ask you about. Let me start with Hassan Reddick because it was a huge signing by the Eagles in the offseason. The first couple games, you didn't see the impact. There were questions. Is, are they using him right? Has Jonathan Gannon figured out how to use him? The last two games, including this week, hey, NFC Defensive Player of the Week, what have you seen from Hassan Reddick in how the Eagles are using him and his impact on the game? Well, I'm still not sure them clearly define how they're using them. I just think that, you know, when you think about situational football, um, they've been in a situation where they can put him at defensive end and play him at defensive end um, in situations where they've been ahead in the game. And really, that's his forte. You know, when you have a predictable passing situation, he's a pass rusher. He's not a dropper. But I understood. I understand why, they, why they're doing what they're doing with him. Everybody keeps talking about, Oh, he's not a dropper. He's not a dropper, but he's also not at 235 to 50, 55 pounds. He's not a guy that you can line up a defensive end every single play and think you, you know he's going to last the season that way. Plus, when you're trying to do you know your five man stuff, you know there are going to be some times where one of those you know one of those outside linebackers have to drop, and you don't want BG doing it too often. I've seen him do it. And you don't want Josh Sweat out there. I think that, you know, Hassan Reddick is a lot more athletic than those guys in doing those types of things. Um, so that's why you see him doing it. But I think situational football has put him in a position the last two weeks where he could be really effective as a pass rusher. That's really what he's great at. Right. And, Seth, you, me, and Glenn are all a little old school, and we like to have what we understand as definition of players' positions. I don't know what you call Hassan Reddick. He's not really a defensive end. He's not really an outside linebacker. He's just, I I think the word that 
uh, Jonathan Genny used to, likes to use as an overhang player, which is a little different than uh, what I've been considering positional assignments in the National Football League. Is that the NFL today, that it is different than what we grow up uh, watching and or, in your case, playing at the National Football League level? No, because I think for people who really understand football schematically, you know, you can look at everything they do on the offensive or the defensive side of the ball, and you can find relatability to, you know, back when I played. You know, listen, they're, all they're doing, they, you know, they, they run a five-man front, and they take away one of the, um, you know, one of the outside backers. You know, you replace them with a defensive back. But you're still in the 30-front look sometimes. So sometimes you'll see, you know, um, the guy on the open side or the, or the strong side kicked out you know the traditional 30 front defensive um defensive end is a five technique player but you can't get out flank too much you know so they'll kick him head to head and then the rest of the the rest of the the alignment looks the same and then you got Hassan Reddick lined up on the outside and people will look at that and be like oh you know that's the 30 front well it is but in, in reality it's a 40 front I don't think teams you know, until you get five guys on the line of scrimmage, you're really not, you know, a 30 front. Um, you know, everybody wants to be creative. They come up with all these new adages, all of these new, you know, the phrase, the catchphrase with coaches now is, you know, concepts. And to me, it's just a whole bunch of, you know, nonsense because, you know, football is football. And when you really get down to it and you really start to dissect it, you can't change it that much. You know, there's nothing new. <laughs> You know, some a lot of these coaches, you know, come all, oh, you know, McVeigh's supposed to be this, you know, this, um, you know, this guru. And I think one of the most creative head coaches or offensive minds in the league is Andy Reid. It's not that he does things different, you know. See, it's not that he's reinventing anything. It's just that he's extremely creative. That little play, you know, where you bring the tight end in motion, you know, and the tight end stops and takes the snap and yep. runs the quarterback sneak. I mean, that's just innovative stuff. That's not yep. – it, it's not anything new. It's not a new formation or anything. But a lot of times these coaches, they're using all this motion to play with your eyes because they know that defensive players, the most important thing that you possess is your eyes. Your eyes tell you everything. And if you if your eyes are in the wrong place, then you're going to – you know, your information that you're receiving and how you react, you know, is completely off. But um, I, I don't know. I just – you know, he – to me, he's the classic tweener. You know, when you go back and you think about when New England drafted Chris Slade and um, Willie McGinnis, you know, neither one of them could really play off the ball as a linebacker or drop a whole lot, and they weren't big enough to really be, um, you know, defensive ends. You know, so a lot of people have coined that those those types of guys as tweeners. They're good pass rushers, and they're very, very average linebackers. We're talking to Seth Joyner. Uh, you can he's a great follow on Twitter at Seth Joyner. He's a he, these days Seth Joyner is a media mogul. He's on you see him hear him on the morning show on Mondays with Angelo and Rhea and the group, which has become a real treat for me. You got your show on Jacob Media. You got the Seth Joyner uh, on YouTube. Seth's everywhere, so make sure you follow him. You mentioned Brandon Graham uh, kind of in passing, and two guys I've been very interested in this season are Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, two older defensive linemen. Graham was injured last year. Cox had a down season. Through four games, my sense is they've looked good. It's a long season. What do you see from them so far? Well, listen, I, <laughs> BG, you know, is just, he's such a, 
not just a great player, man, but I mean, when you really get to know him, he's such a good dude. Mm-hmm. Um, I like what he's done. Um, I think that he sat back in the off season and, um, and looked at the re-signing of Derek Barnett. I think, you know, I honestly believe if BG, you know, doesn't get injured last year, that there's no need to make that move to bring Derek Barnett back. Mm-hmm. Then they go and they dra- they they um, they sign Hassan Reddick. And I think BG kind of looked at that and probably thought to himself, well, man, you know, they're bringing in guys at my position. You know, maybe they think I'm done. Maybe they maybe they don't know whether whether or not I can I can um, recover from this and kill his heel. I mean, the dude just went to work. I mean, I saw him in the off season. You know, we shook hands. I gave him a hug, and I was like, "Man, this dude is like solid, man." Um, so I'm happy for him that he's coming back and he's playing so well and proving anyone who thought that he had nothing left in the tank that he does. You know, so now he'll it'll make for some difficult decisions for the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, in the off season, especially you know with the number three overall pick, you know, how he's going to spin that into, you know, multiple picks that allows him, you know, to address the most important positions in their mind as the offensive and the defensive lines. Um, Fletcher, um, I, I, you know, there's times where I see Fletcher and he flashes and he's, he's you know, he, he, he can be dominant. And there's times where I just kind of scratch my head, you know, that a guy with that much talent isn't dominant all the time. Um I think it says a lot that, you know, they restructured his deal and brought him back on a one-year deal, and then they turn around or they draft Jordan Jordan Davis and then turn around and restructure his deal, cut him and bring him back on just a one-year deal. Um, to me, it's kind of a prove it, you know, let me see what you got left because we just drafted your heir apparent, and like I said, we still got draft capital going into the next two years, two in the first two in the second and 24 to replenish that position if we have to with youth. Yeah. Seth, uh, you played for both the Philadelphia Eagles and the Arizona Cardinals. So you played in (laughs) front of the Philadelphia faithful and the Arizona quasi-faithful. Not quite as passionate a fan base. Is it a good home field advantage for the Cardinals these days? That new stadium, the the overall uh, NFL passion that the fans in Arizona have? I know a lot of Eagle fans got on a plane and went out there, and they are as good a traveling fan base as there is in the NFL. What's it going to be like in that stadium tomorrow? Well, listen, I'm I'm actually flying back to Philly, you know, this morning. And um, I was at a meet and greet last night with, that plane full of fans that some of them is already here. And I mean, it was just insane. You know, we <laughs> signed some autographs, took some pictures, you know, hung out with him for about, you know, two hours. Um, you know, Hollis, Hollis Thomas, you know, he and I did, you know, probably about a 45 minute Q and a, I mean, they just like took over this bar in, 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 in Scottsdale. So I, I get that. And there, and there's nothing like the fans of Philly. I don't care, you know, where you go. People can say whatever they want to say about them, but, you know, my years of playing in Philly and I played in three other places, there's nothing like it. You know, now, the fans in Arizona have gotten better, you know, from the time where we played in Southern Devil Stadium in Tempe to where they moved out, you know, to, to Glendale. That's a whole different fan base that's out there. So they've got more fans out there now. But trust me, the Eagles fans are coming. They're going to be here. And, you know, while you watch the game, you'll be hearing the Eagles chant. You'll be hearing the Eagles fans um, because that's just how we roll. 
Last one from me, Seth. Um, since you are out there and get to see Arizona, the Cardinals more than we do. Kyler Murray is a guy signed a huge contract uh, in the off season. There's a lot of questions about that back and forth. Um, very talented. I was talking to our colleague Ross Tucker the other day, who said his problem is being five foot nine. He really can't see over the line sometimes, which is why he runs so much. I guess I'm asking you for an assessment at this point in his career of Kyler Murray and how good you think he is or isn't. Well, it's interesting because I had um, Paul Calvisi, who is the um, who is the sideline reporter for the Cardinals games um, on my show this week, and you know one of the questions I had for him: How much did the missing DeAndre Hopkins really affect him? Mm-hmm. Because when DeAndre Hopkins is on the field, he's a completely different player. Um, I get Ross's assertion because you know. I, he is short, and you want him to play from inside the pocket because he really can't see over those six foot four, six foot five offensive linemen. You know, if I was coaching him, I'd take a book out of you know, um, not the Russell Wilson of you know this right. past Monday night, <laughs> not this but 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 the but the Russell Wilson you know of years gone by. You know, when they when when Seattle used to run their play action passes. Well, their drop back, Russell Wilson would drop nine, ten yards. And people really didn't, you know, a lot of people thought it was because he could create much more space that allowed him to elude the rush. But a lot of it was he couldn't see over the line of scrimmage either. So if you, the deeper you get him, the more vision he has, you know. But then you better have a pretty darn good, you know, running game that allows you to do that. You know, with Marshall Lynch, he could do that. And a halfway decent, you know, offensive line. You know, I mean – Marshawn Lynch made the offensive line better. I think he started getting beat up later in his career because, you know, they couldn't run the ball the way they did back then. But Kyler Murray suffered some of those same things. And then when you talk about um, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, when he's, a, when he's up, it changes, you know, coverage. You know, you really have to tip your hand and show your hand what you're doing because he's such a lethal weapon. So early in the, in the pre-snap, you know, he can kind of determine – what's going on. It's a little bit different. Um, the thing that I worry about, you know, for the Eagles, you know, tomorrow is the fact that, you know, he, he is more dangerous when he's outside of the pocket than when he's playing from the pocket. He's the type of quarterback you want to make him have to operate from the pocket. And the Eagles can sometimes be extremely undisciplined in their rush lanes as far as contain is concerned. And if he catches you in man-to-man coverage, he can really hurt you because there's not a throw he can't make, but he's even that much more dangerous because, you know, he might be one of the best scramblers in the league as well. In the first two games, he didn't scramble a lot. The last two, he's been running around, you know, and they've been a little more competitive. So, um, listen, he's a good player. There's no doubt about it. But if the Eagles are smart, you know, they'll come in with the intent of making him have to throw the ball from the pocket. That means you got to be a little more disciplined in how you rush. You can't take any inside charges and let him get outside the pocket because that's where he really hurts teams. You know, the guys that are deep, they come back. The guys that are short, they take off, and he can throw the ball a mile, or he can, you know, be a man coverage. He's going to run the ball 20, 30 yards before defensively you can even react to him. So um, they got a challenge because, you know, he's a good player. He just hadn't gotten off to the type of start that everybody thought he would because, I think that, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is the major difference maker, and he won't be back for another two weeks. Yeah. Seth Joyner, it is always a pleasure. Look forward to hearing you 
uh, on Monday with Angelo Cataldi, as I said. Follow him on Twitter, at Seth Joyner. He's got all kinds of things going on. Always a great follow. Uh, have an easy flight, my friend. All good, my friend. You guys all have right. a good one. Stay Seth, well. thanks, bud. There you go. Smart guy. Great guy. Knows his stuff. And, yeah, he's not afraid. That's one of the reasons why I love listening to Seth is he'll at times point to Eagle shortcomings. Yeah. There are some guys that just look at things in the media through Eagle-colored glasses. You would think an ex-superstar, borderline Hall of Fame player who wore the green as long as he did would be that type of guy. No, he's not. He, yep. he, he will give praise when praise is due, and he'll also critique when he thinks Eagles aren't getting the job done. Absolutely. Let's talk to Jeff in Allentown. Allentown, New Jersey, Jeff? Yep. I didn't even know yeah, there was we, an Allentown, New Jersey. Where is that? Uh, basically, it's uh, just it's just on the other side of Robbinsville. Jody, where's Robbinsville? <laughs> I was going to say, I know <laughs> what yeah, the no, next okay, question well, is going right, to be. All right, you know Hamilton. Six miles you know from Hooterville. All right, you know, you, know, you know Hamilton, New Jersey. I do. Two towns over, it's the most western borough in Montgomery. There you County. go. There Thank you. Go. you. Little, 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 little borough. It's a very cute, wonderful place. Okay. Nice. Yep. So, okay. So, um, yeah. So, basically, like, two points I want to make. One, um, about the Eagles in terms of small ball. Like, sometimes you just have to do that. And the thing is, they were relying on the, the ideas. Everyone's going to think, hey, the long ball is that point. But like someone brought up earlier in terms of Carlos Ruiz in 2008, it was that little squibbler that barely made it halfway down the third base line that brought the winning run home for, was it, game three? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's just again make contact. Stuff happens, and that's what and that's what I said yesterday. Like they they really weren't. It was a matter of just getting contact on the ball, no matter what you do. I listen. I agree, and I get and I respect analytics, but the version of baseball these days, which is just try to power up, you know, hit a home run out of the park, and strikeouts aren't bad. I don't always agree with, and yesterday the Phillies played a different kind of ball, maybe got lucky, but won the game. Hello? Take it any way you can. Exactly okay. right, Mac. They, uh, yeah, I would say that's going to be a lot of that. Yeah. Sorry, still there? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're still here. Give us an unlikely hero. 2008 NLCS, bottom of the eighth, two out. Guess who comes up to pinch hit one into the night? Uh, Matt Baird. Very good. It's a really good one. Yeah, I, 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 I anticipated that. He was a late-season pickup. As I recall, he didn't do a – he was a waiver pickup, right? Didn't do a whole lot during that stretch down the season, but you knew Matt Stairs is the guy who could hit a home run at any point. And it is great, and because of the tremendous call, it'll always be – well, not just because of the call, but the call enhances it. It'll always be remembered. And, oh, by the way, Matt Stairs would fit quite nicely with the 2022 Philadelphia Phillies because he was a uh, boomer bust kind of guy. And no one, no one, I mean no one, maybe ever, swung as hard as Matt Stairs. Yeah, he did. Every single time he swung the bat, you know what he was trying to do. He was trying to rip the laces apart. He he couldn't do what Gene Segura did yesterday. Just put the ball in play, put it on the ground. No, 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 no. Matt Stairs was looking to pull the baseball out of the park every time he swung the bat. Yeah, he was not a guy who was exactly going to uh, shorten up with two strikes. No. But that wasn't his job. You know how many years he lasted in the major leagues doing that? Oh, yeah. Oh, came yeah. up, Jody. He came up in 1992. Jody, I'll buy you a beer if you can tell me the team he came up with. Stairs. Yeah. 
A's? No, that was his third team. Okay. <laughs> that was his third team. His first team was the Expos. Ooh, yeah, I remember stairs on the Expos now. Yeah, just kind of, you know, had a couple of cups of coffee with them. Then he was in Boston. Then he was with Oakland for five years. One year with the Cubs. It's funny because I remember him with the Cubs. I do too. Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Texas, Detroit, Toronto. Texas, he was a Ranger? Yeah, he that was. could not have been long. 26 whole games. <laughs> By the way, he was 38. He was 38 at the time. And he had five teams and five major league stops after that. Damn. Detroit, Toronto, came to the Phillies late in 08. Yeah. 17 regular season at-bats. Two home runs, so that is what you want from him. Uh, another year with the Phillies. Padres finished it up with Washington at age 43. Damn. God bless him. He's and, a good answer for this. And, oh, by answer. the way, a, a, a darn good announcer. Not like yeah, he the was greatest good. of all time, but he was good. He was. And I sure as hell would have been rather listening to Matt Stairs and A-Rod yesterday. That's for damn sure. Uh, so, yeah, that's why Stairs will probably be remembered a little bit more than his actual on-field accomplishments here. Number one for the home run. Number two, yeah, he was uh, one, of the, one of the guys who called games for years here in town. I'd rather listen to Johnny Most than Alex Rodriguez. Oh. I, I mean, I'm trying to think of the guy I would least want to listen to. Whoever it is, well, no, Romo's good. Uh, Anybody over Alex Rodriguez. All right, we got Jack, Mike, Peter coming up. You are certainly invited to join 215-592-9494. Coming up, we're going to give you what we're watching. Jody and I watched the same um, Netflix movie this week. I don't know how he felt about it. I obviously know how I felt about it. We'll give you our review on that coming up. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. A 94. All right. Well, we're watching sponsored by Guided Door and Window. Receive 20% off all windows and doors and no money down up to three years to pay it back. Interest-free. Uh, call Guided Door and Window today at one 877 or visit them at go, G-U-I-D-A.com. All right, uh, movie on Netflix getting a lot of uh, attention called The Greatest Beer Run, directed by Peter Farrelly, Jody, who did, uh, well, he did Dumb and Dumber and he did Kingpin, but he also did Green Book, which won the Best Picture Oscar. Um, I, let me set it up, tell you what I think, and then see if you agree or disagree. Is that all right? Yeah. Um, one quick question. Yeah. Farrelly or Farley? I go Farrelly. Is it Farley? It's F-A-R-E-L-L-Y. Yeah, I, I always thought it was the right. Farley brothers. You may but, be right. You but be you right. might be right. I don't I can't okay. say 100% for sure. Anyway, he's been around. Yeah. So the movie is based on a very good book of the same title. Um, true st- And I read the book, which may influence my opinion here. It's a true story of a New York City guy named Chickie Donahue, 1967. Spends most of his life hanging with his buddies at the bar. Even as they're watching friends go off to Vietnam and never come home again. And when one of his best pals goes MIA, Chicky gets this crazy idea. He's drunk. He's like, what if I brought all my friends in Vietnam a beer just to, just to show them that back in New York we still love them? And his fellow barmates kind of egg him on, uh, including a bar owner played by Bill Murray, which took me, a, took me a couple minutes to recognize that as Bill Murray. I don't know about you, but I, I, it didn't look like him at first. I picked up on the fact okay. that it was uh, Murray pretty quickly. All right. Anyway, Chicky decides to, he gets on a cargo ship to Vietnam to find the guys and just has to spend two months on the ocean and find people he knows in the country in the middle of a war and give his friends some suds and then find his way home again, which amazingly he does. Again, it's based on a true story, and it's a great premise. But I thought it was a mediocre to bad movie. Um the underlying point of the movie is that Chicky starts off as like a full-blown defender of the Vietnam War, and only after he gets there does he realize that, that war is hell and that his friends are dying for no good reason. So again, a fine premise, but kind of condescending, kind of manipulative, very designed to hit you over the head with the moral of the story. More, I thought, than tell you the actual terrific story of this guy doing this crazy thing. It's a message movie. Um, and even if you agree with the message, you end up thinking the director is just playing you for stupid. I'll hand it to you. Okay. Uh, yeah, apparently I liked it better than you did. I, yeah. I can't say I loved it because I'm just not a Zac Efron fan. Um, yes. The, the star of the movie is a guy who I've seen in other features, and I'm just not a big fan of his. Well, when I found out he was the guy, you texted me and said, can you watch this? I heard, heard nothing about it. And I thought greatest beer run ever. Oh, with the Farley brothers? It's right up my alley. <laughs> you know, you thought it was entirely something Absolutely else. Absolutely something else. And then I found out what it was. Here was my issue, Mac. Um, and you and I are of similar age. Most of the stuff we talk about, you and I are in the exact same ballpark because we lived it, whatever. The Vietnam War 
came when I was just a little kid. I'm starting yeah. grade school. Yeah. So the whole debate on whether it was a war that we should have been in, as I got older, I certainly understood it, but I didn't live that. I was just too young to do that. My father didn't fight in the Vietnam War. He fought in Korea. Well, he was in the service during the Korean War. He never actually got in country, played for the U.S. baseball team, as a matter of fact, while the uh, individuals were fighting over in Korea. Uh, but I didn't get the whole Vietnam War thing because I was just a little kid and I didn't yeah. understand. So trying to draw from my own personal uh, remembrances of what it was all about, I didn't have as much to draw on. So that if, if I was five, six, seven, ten years older, I think I would have felt very differently about the movie. I thought it was pretty well done. Yeah, it's kind of judgmental. Um, Bill Murray was good. Russell Crowe was outstanding. The best. He was the as, best part of the movie. Oh, absolutely. As the in-country media photographer has to stick to the facts, and he truly did try and draw a line because most people came down on one side or the other. Yep. Either it was a travesty we were in the war or this is what we do as Americans. He gave you that nice balance in the middle that there were things about it that were right and things about it that were wrong. So I give Russell Crowe a lot of credit, and I thought it was great. That's how we open the uh, what we're watching. Uh, are you entertained with That's Russell right. Crowe? That's uh, right. That's which yeah, was good call. Which was very great. Uh, enjoyed it. Not something I go, oh, my God, get to Netflix immediately. Again, if you're a millennial, I don't think they would look at it the same way you and I looked at it, and I don't know if they'd actually enjoy it at all. But uh, for someone 60-plus, uh, they might be able to walk back down memory lane and, uh, and enjoy it and or get annoyed by it. If a movie causes your emotions, that can't be a bad thing. Sometimes the emotions are good. Sometimes they're bad. I can deal and live with either one. This one, because I just missed it historically in my own life. Uh, I probably wasn't as moved as I might have been. But overall, I thought it was pretty good. Okay. I agree with you on Zac Efron. I didn't think, I, I don't, I've never particularly loved him. I didn't think he was, he played it as like a working class New York City caricature, dumb as a rock. And uh, there's, there's a line, uh, I think somebody says, every once in a while you run into a guy who's too dumb to get killed. Um, which was mm -hmm. kind of meant to be humorous, but it fit and not in a way to help the movie. And by the way, I love Bill Murray. We all love Bill Murray. I didn't love him in this movie. I, I, I didn't think he was good. Well, he was specifically a pointed character. He was one of those guys who was supposed one dimensional. To be yeah, he was, and uh, if that's the char if that's what the character calls for, then you have to be that character. So I think the way that the dialogue went, he had to play it the way he played it. And one other reason why I probably like the film, Mac, which is again just uh, it, to our listening audience today, nobody else is going to say what I'm going to say. I've been in Doc Fiddler's, the bar. Oh, that that's a real place. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yes. Oh, the bar which they used to set up a lot of the movie. Correct. That is on Broadway in northern Manhattan, just ah. over the bridge from Riverdale. And I had a whole bunch of friends growing up in high school that lived in Riverdale. And from time to time, yes, would we actually go into, ooh, we're going into Manhattan by about three blocks. You're right. in Manhattan coming over the bridge from Riverdale. But I have been – now, this was a staged bar made in a Hollywood set somewhere, so it wasn't exactly the same. But I certainly recognize the name as Doc Fiddler's, and I got an outside shot of it and they put it yeah right exactly where it was supposed to be on broadway so yeah that was oh, kind of cool. cool for me yes yeah that's fun when that happens when you know the place in the in the movie um scale of one to ten i give it a four and a half 
I'd go six, maybe six and a half because of Doc Fiddler. It's, it, it's not an eight, nine, or ten for sure, but uh, I enjoyed it and had no problem after I was done with it. I said, all right, MacMan put me on to a decent movie. All right, well, there you go. Uh, the name of the movie is The Greatest Beer Run Ever. Again, I read the book, and I think sometimes when you read the book first, you're not going to like the movie as much because the, the book's got a lot more going to it. Uh, it is on Netflix. Jody likes it a bit. I dislike it a bit. You see how you feel. Let's go to our friend Jack in Santa Barbara. You're on with Jody and Glenn. Hey, guys. How are you doing this morning? Good, hey, Jack. <laughs> hey, hey uh, Jody. Uh, did you do Ken Burns' Vietnam piece? No. Um, it's so funny because we're talking about Vietnam here, and I haven't I had a chance to get to I, uh, the one you suggested yet. No, it, you, it, it, will, it will clarify everything for you, really. It, it, is, it is epic. The way he put it together, okay. and um, you yeah. set aside it, about uh, ninety hours to watch it, Jody. <laughs> That's Ken Burns. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a binger when it's really good history stuff, and this is this is really good because it tells both sides of the story, um, and I think you both would enjoy it. Um, but my Philly's point that I shared with Kyle. So yesterday, I go out of the house on errands, places I, I couldn't get to the game. In the fifth inning, when Bohm was left on third base and didn't score, right? Yeah. He, he hit, a, hit a double, yeah. and they got, got him over to third with one out and didn't get him in. And, um, and I'm like, oh, man, what's the odds being on the road that you're going to be able to pull this game off. So I figure they're going to lose. And then I get this text later in the day from a friend of mine who's a Padres fan, and he knows I'm a major Philly fan. So he tells me what happened, right, sends me a text. Last night he was at a Jack Johnson concert in San Diego, and I was free. So so I sent him the update on on the Padres game because I gave him the favor back, right? Yeah, and, sure. And, and so, um, yeah, it was it, it was a it was a great day. And uh, okay, here's my unsung hero. Yep. This is one for you, Jody. You'll you'll know this guy, Harold Jensen. Remember Harold? Oh, Jensen? Villanova. Yeah. Yeah. Just a yep. stone-cold shooter. Yes, Harold Thanks, Jensen, Jack. part of that uh, upset squad that took down Georgetown uh, under Raleigh in the uh, championship game. Not a bad yeah. one. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, you can go college. Actually, Nova's had a few of those in these big games. 215-592-9494. We will get to the callers. I apologize, Jody, and I got a little bit of a riff about that movie, but we look forward to talking to you uh, coming up next on 94. Goodness, things got a little chippy to say the least. Marcus Davenport getting into it with, I believe, Jordan Mailata. We saw Mailata talking it up with a couple of the defensive linemen for the Saints, so we've already seen some back and forth. But Mailata was right in there with Marcus Davenport. They went down to the deck at one point. 
Well, that was from last season, but I wanted to play a Jordan Mylotta highlight because, A, he's probably my favorite Eagle, and, B, there's a very good chance he's not going to be playing this week. We are uh, delighted to be joined by Dr. David Gelt of Cooper Bone and Joint, who gives us kind of our injury report every week. Doc, pleasure. How are you? Pretty good. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Uh, let's talk about Jordan Mylotta. The Eagles, he's declared doubtful for tomorrow's game. They haven't really revealed details of his injury, except we know with a shoulder, uh, there is speculation that it's one of three things, a labral tear, an AC joint sprain, or a rotator cuff injury. He says it's not that bad. He doesn't plan about for an extended period of time. Uh, it's an odd question for me to ask you, but of the injuries that I referred to, is there one that we would be rooting for? Uh, yeah, and if you had to choose between the three, um, an AC joint sprain is probably the, the best one to have. That's basically uh, where the collarbone and the shoulder meet together, so there's a, that little bump right on top of the shoulder. Um, there's a little, a couple ligaments that attach there, and sometimes if you fall right on that arm, you get a little irritation of that uh, uh, that ligament um, and that joint. So sometimes you get a little soreness, you get a little bump there, possibly like a prominence. And it's really a pain when you cross over your arm or if you try to push through. Uh, the good thing is that heals pretty well on its own. You usually do very well conservatively. The other things, as far as like a rotator cuff injury or a tear or a labral tear, then you're thinking about other uh, you know, possible intervention if it's not getting better. So hopefully it's just an AC joint sprain and you'll be back in a week or two. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, ankle injuries because Eagles have two of them this week. Um, yeah. Both Devontae Maddox and uh, Jake Elliott are going to miss a game because of ankle injuries. It's as simple as either it's surgical or it's rest, right? Is is there more to it? I know there's regular ankle sprains and high ankle sprains. How difficult can ankle uh, injuries be? Yeah, I mean, with any injury, it's a there's a whole a wide array of how bad the injury is. It could be you know a mild sprain, or it could be a, a partial tear, or it could be a full thickness tear, and um, that sometimes requires surgical intervention. A lot of times. The typical ankle sprain that everybody gets when they roll their ankle, um, usually they just uh, sprain the ligaments on the outside of the ankle. Sometimes they're a little stretched out or a little thickened and it gets inflamed. And usually it's rest and you know rehab, uh, icing, anti-inflammatory, sometimes using a brace for support, and then start doing some functional activities. As long as they're doing better and improving and you can uh, perform your activities, you can get back to playing. All right. Uh, just I got one more thing on my lotta, which is – um, because you're an offensive lineman, so it's a shoulder thing, and he's an offensive lineman, and obviously yeah. a big job, big part of his job is putting his hands out there and blocking, sure. which puts a lot of force against that. Um, I believe it's axial force, Doc. I'm, you know, I know I'm talking out my rear end. There you go. Good, good for you. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Pushing on that shoulder. So, you know, different injuries, different positions are more um, impactful. Would a shoulder injury to a big offensive lineman be more concerning than a shoulder injury to, I don't know, pick another position? Yeah, I mean, obviously his position, what he does, he has to push people back, and you know, it's constantly using force in that shoulder. And like I said, you know, with the AC joint, it's really more across the arm, you know, if you're putting your body across. Uh, if it's a labral tear or something of that sort, that's when you get that, if you have that axial load or you push into it um, or you put it in your apprehension position. Um, where you put your arm up like a, a hands-up type of position, that's when you really get the pain and discomfort. Um, so, you know, compared to a, a linebacker or someone else, it, it may be a, a bigger an issue for him. But hopefully, uh, like I said, uh, does well, and in the next week or two, he should come back, and hopefully we'll uh, get him back to playing. Certainly hope so. All right, Dr. David Gelt, we are told that you can join into our theme here with an unlikely Philadelphia sports hero. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it goes along with the Phillies back in 2008. Um, we weren't thinking about uh, you know, some of the other pitchers, but uh, I think Joe Blanton, when he hit the home run, I think that was uh, <laughs> yeah. catapulted everybody up, and uh, I think it moved on to help us win. It was great. It was a great moment. Dr. David Geld, as usual, you come up big, and uh, we appreciate it, man. <laughs> All right, go Phillies. There you go. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, quick question for you. Were you yeah. down at the game when Blanton hit the home run? Yeah. I wasn't. Yeah. A very good friend, his daughter, was getting married that day. How okay. do you how do you schedule a wedding? I know. Oh, God. Yeah, but I know. you got to do what you got to do. So we were at the wedding in Philly. Uh, came over in the Philly for the day from Jersey, but not to go to the Phillies game, to right. instead go to a wedding in Center City. And it was me and about 32 other guys around a very small TV behind the bar. It, hotel bars a, do yeah, well, yes. This is a, a wedding setting, so yeah, it's I not know. a sports bar. So I you're know. talking about a little small TV when heavy Joey B went yard and you could hear the screaming and uh, yelling throughout the entire wedding, which I'll never forget. Yes. When people schedule, uh, and, and you don't always, obviously, they didn't know the Phillies were going to be in the World Series, right? So they right. scheduled thinking, oh, it's October. Phillies aren't, you know. Uh, but when people do that or schedule a wedding on an Eagle Sunday, those hotel bars must do tremendous business because I, I find it. If memory serves, I think it was a Saturday night. Could have been a Friday, yeah. but I think it was a Saturday, So, and it was a night game. Uh, so, yeah, we went into the city, and I uh, cleared it with the wife first. I said, you know I'm going to be sneaking away from the table to get Philly updates, right? And she said, I understand, I understand, because sure. I kind of broached at one point, listen, maybe I can't attend. Maybe I need to go to yeah. the Phillies game. No, 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 yeah, no, no. Yeah, that no. going over, right? Yeah, that did not go over She's well. But solo. We, we found a good compromise position that I was yes. allowed to stay on top of the game as much as I could within the venue itself. I think that's exactly the right call. Yeah. Mike in Arizona. Ooh, out there in the belly of the beast, my friend. Hey, guys. Uh, good uh, late morning there. Yeah, I'm a, uh, a season ticket holder for both. So I've seen uh, every snap of both teams, and uh, wait, wait, you're a season ticket holder for the Eagles, and the, we lost you for a second. The Eagles and the Cardinals. So you shuttle back and forth? No, I usually catch one or two Eagle games a year. Family okay. use the tickets. Yeah, okay. yeah exactly. So Got it. I've seen every snap from both teams, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, I think I'm scarred from the Eagles losing here the last five times they were in town. They haven't won here since 2001. Yeah. So I've got that scar tissue. But intellectually, I look at these teams in the matchup, uh, and I, I don't see the Eagles losing this week. Uh, the Cardinals are really vulnerable in their interior offensive line. They've got a couple of giants. Uh, retreads at guard, Will Hernandez and Justin Pugh, their center, retired in the preseason, came back. And Kyler Murray really struggles when the pressure's in his face. So uh, I, I see a big advantage there. And on the other side, I, the, the Cardinals secondary, they've got really good safeties, but their corners are small. Uh, I just don't see anyone hanging with A.J. Brown. Uh, so I think the Eagles are going to roll tomorrow. That's kind of where I am with this. I like it. You mentioned Justin Pugh. He's a local kid to hear. Exactly. Yeah, because I, I remember when he was coming out of college, so that must be, what, nine, ten years ago, we had him on the show. He was a really nice kid. He, was, he played at Syracuse, as I remember. And right. he talked yeah. about it, really hoping the Eagles drafted him, and they didn't, and the Giants did. And he's 
Yeah, he's never turned into that player. I I believe he was a second round pick. He never turned into anything special. But anyway. yeah, he's a great guy. Uh, they signed him to big dollars. I don't know three years ago or so, and he hasn't performed with contract. So yeah, they I, they struggle on the O line. They're they're average at best. Yeah. So um, hopefully we'll see the Eagles roll. Oh, he was a first. Excuse me, he was a first round pick when he came out. Okay. Uh, all right. Do you have an unlikely sports hero for us? Yeah, this is going back. Uh, Glenn, you probably remember Jody. I think you will. Del Unser for the Phillies in 1980. I remember, kind of vaguely, pinch hitter. Jody may remember. I surely remember because uh, Joseph Anthony Aloysius McDonald Sr. once traded for him. Oh. Yes. Del Unser was a Daddy Mac acquisition. Uh, and a very good center fielder, good left-handed bat, good against right-handed pitching. Couldn't have left, he saves life. Uh, so he was your prototypic platoon player, but Unser could play the hell out of center field. Yeah, my sense is that these days, at least the Dell Unser who ended up playing for the Phillies, right? I remember he was with Washington, I think. Um, but the Dell Unser who played for the Phillies is a guy who would probably not be in the major leagues these days because he was a pinch-hitting specialist who hit singles. And that's not what the game is now. True, too true. Um, yeah, I'll give him a little bit more credit for some pop. He wasn't just a pure uh, banjo hitter, but uh, would not would pale in comparison to the power hitters we have in the game today. Correct? Yes, I don't know what exit velocity he had, but uh, <laughs> it was not not much. Peter in Westchester wants to talk about tonight's starting pitcher. What do you think, Pete? Yeah, I tend to agree with. Jody, only uh, only because I, I thought Ricky Vitalico said yesterday, and maybe you guys can check this, that Nola is so much better with five days rest than he is with four days oh, rest. You know what? I have seen, heard, seen that statistic before. Jody, this does buttress your argument. Yes. Just part of it. Outside the box. Now we've, we've gone down the road. I, I will be floored if I sit in front of my TV tonight and go, oh my god, they're going to Ranger. They, they've made the commitment. It's going to be Nola's game. But uh, I, I didn't factor that into my line of thinking, but you're right. It buttresses my argument. Okay. Is there any way you guys can check that out? And my other question, only because Jody's there. Jody, what's happening to the Mets? Yeah, how about that? They got smacked around. Scherzer giving up home runs all over the lot last night. Yeah, this is going to be a pretty good collapse. I think, Mac, they were in first place for all but eight days of the entire season, the first couple of days of the year, mm-hmm. and the last two days of the year when the Braves went by them. Yeah, this is going to be a pretty big collapse unless they win two games in a row. It sure is. And they did yesterday, the, you know, the, the Grom, the great, and, and he is great. Not the Grom, Scherzer. I mean, Scherzer, excuse me. Pardon me. Scherzer. Gets batted around, smacked around, and uh, the fans let him have it, which I thought was pretty disrespectful. But hey, they collapse almost every year, and I enjoy it. Hey. Two on five, five nine two at ninety four ninety four with Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack. Now Ben Davis going to join us to talk some Phillies, and we will take your calls as well. Looking forward to talking to Ben on ninety four WIP.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.